What a blessing it is to be able to praise the Lord. Do you know that took the Lord's changing of our hearts to bring us to the place that we want to praise him, that we recognize that he's worthy and deserves all praise and honor and glory, and so we praise him for being able to praise him. Um, He's that God, that worthy God. If you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, as you're turning there, I'll tell you something else that um, Sherry and I are praising the Lord for. Uh, Some of you have heard bits and pieces of this story, so I thought I might as well let you hear it from the horse's mouth, Um, I being the horse. Um, A month or or so ago, um, not Sherry, um, a month or so ago, um, Bill and Jenny Thompson um, took Sherry and I to their family's um, beach condo down at St. Simon's Island, uh, which, was, which was a very, very nice gift in itself. And um, while we were down there for a few days, we went to lunch at a restaurant called Mullet Bay in St. Simon's. Some of you have been there. And um, while we were eating there, um, it started to rain a little bit, and the girls decided after we ate, they would go shopping. And Bill and I decided to stay in the, in the restaurant and watch the Braves baseball playoff game that afternoon. So we sat in there and watched the game. While we were in there, uh, a man came in and, and talked to the manager, and then he posted this poster um, up on one of the posts in the, in the restaurant. And um, we went over and looked at it, and it was a, a poster about a ministry down in, in Brunswick, Georgia, which is right off of, 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 of St. Simon's Island. And it was a ministry um, that ministers to the sailors that come into the, the Brunswick port. Um, I don't know that much about that that culture and that lifestyle, but apparently it's a, it's a very unique situation as they come into these towns and they don't have much to do while the ship's being unloaded and loaded and this kind of thing. And, and most, the, the director of the ministry, I found out later, said that most of the sailors are Filipino um, because there's some international law that allows the shipping companies to pay the Filipinos the least amount of money of anybody in the world. So they get all their sailors from the Philippines. One of the advantages for ministry is that almost all Filipinos speak English. And so they don't need a translator to minister to these guys as they come into the port. And I guess there are ministries like this in lots of the ports. But anyway, this particular ministry was raising money and awareness for their ministry by having a, a, uh, if you gave a donation, they would put you in the pot uh, to win a new car. Well, I got the call last Friday that my donation was the one that was selected out of the pot, and I won the car, okay? So, anyway, um, and, and don't give Sherry a hard time for driving it, because not as we were driving up to receive it, and, and it was a very interesting story that we found out. The, when, when the woman called me to tell me that we'd won, she said, you were one of the only people that only made one donation, so we figured that you must really, the Lord knew you needed this car. And then she said, then we looked you up online. Are you a Baptist pastor? And I said, yes. She said, oh, that makes it even better. You know, she was, she was so excited. As a matter of fact, when, when we went down there to, to pick up the car this week, um, it, it, it was almost as if she was more excited about us getting this car than about all the money that came in for their ministry from, from, the, uh, you know, from that, that program that they had. And then she also informed us that an, an anonymous donor that for the past four years has been giving to that ministry, um, only gives to special projects. It doesn't, they don't give to, to ongoing expenses. And so she had the idea for this, this car giveaway. And so this anonymous donor 
paid for the car and all the taxes and, and, and everything, you know, related to it. And so she was especially thankful to give it, and we were especially thankful to receive it. And when we drove up to the dealership in Brunswick, it was sitting up there by the door with a big blue ribbon on it, and it was Sherry's birthday the next day. What could I do but say happy birthday? Okay, so anyway, so that's the way the Lord blessed us this week, and, uh, and we're very thankful for that. And so we praise God, and, uh, and that's the whole story. So it's not because she's a spoiled brat. I heard you call her a spoiled brat. It's not because she's spoiled. Okay. Okay. Um, it's because she's so sweet. All right. All right. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 13. As we continue to look in 2020, and what a year it is. It's not over yet. As we continue to look for 2020 vision, to have God's vision about the things that he wants us to see like he sees them. And one of those things, as I, as I share with the children, as we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, one of those things is that God is going to reward us, his children, not by giving us heaven for doing good things or for giving a lot of money or for praising his name, as we talked about last week. We're not going to heaven for that reason. We're going to heaven if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. That's the only reason anybody will ever enter into heaven. Not because they gave more money than anybody else in the world. Not because they went to more churches or they built more churches or they were, or they were better to orphans or, or kind um, to the homeless. All of those things are good. All of those things are important. But the only reason anybody is ever going to enter into God's glory is because they believe in his son. You see, that is the eternal plan of God. That only through the death and resurrection and ascension of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, would anybody be saved. That's why the Apostle Paul said it so clearly and succinctly to the Philippian jailer. On that night when, or on that morning when the, when the earthquake came after a long night of, of suffering for Paul and Silas. But they were singing and praising God during their suffering. But when the, when the earthquake came... And everybody was able to escape, and none of them escaped. As the jailer was about to kill himself, and Paul said, don't do it, don't harm yourself, we're all still here. The first words out of that jailer's mouth, because of what he'd been listening to that night, was, was this question. Men, what must I do to be saved? You know what the Apostle Paul said? Give us some money. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, go to church this Sunday. didn't say that. He didn't say, start being nicer to the, to the people in your jail. He didn't say that. He made one statement. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's why we're going to heaven. If we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle John was talking about when he was describing how most of the people of Jesus' day didn't receive him. They didn't pay any attention to him. They didn't believe in him. And, and the, the Apostle John said this in verse 12. Yet to those who received him, to those who believed on his name. See, that's what it means to receive him, to believe on his name. He gave the right to become the children of God. And for all of us who are children of God, by believing in his name, that's the only way you become a child of God. 
for all of us who are his children, his word says he is preparing rewards for certain things that we do while living in these bodies. For the things that we do for him while we still have life in these bodies, he is preparing rewards for us. And it's a hard concept for us to to get a handle on. Because in certain ways we think, wait a minute, we're not doing these good things for rewards. We're doing these things because we love God, because we want to honor him, because we want to serve him. And that is exactly right. But we have a gracious father who has decided that he wants to reward us for the things that we do for him while we live in this world. And so because he's put that plan together and he expresses it very clearly in his word, we've been looking at these passages um, over the last few weeks. As he, as he talks to us about this time when we'll receive that reward, and that's called the judgment seat of Christ. That's, that's a, a point in time when all the believers are going to stand before him, and it indicates that we're going to do that one by one, and that we're going to receive from him, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to receive from him the things that are due us for, for what we've done while living in this body, whether good or bad. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the things that we've done wrong and the, and the sins that we've committed against him since we've become believers, that doesn't mean that we're going to be judged or condemned for those sins. Because the, the scripture is very clear that when we believe in Jesus, all of our sins are forgiven. But what that's pointing out when it says that we'll receive the things that we've done while in the body, whether good or bad, what it's talking about, those bad things... He describes in, in 1 Corinthians um, chapters 2 and 3 the, the situation at the judgment seat of Christ where some believers are going to go to that place where Jesus is sitting on that, on that judgment seat and they're going to find out that everything that they did in this world was, was, was in vain. And the way the Apostle Paul puts it, all of that stuff that they did is going to be burned up as in, as in a fire. They're, he says, they're still going to be saved. Nothing can take away their salvation because they believe in Jesus. But because they didn't live their lives for the glory of God in these various ways that we're looking at um, over these last few weeks, they're not going to receive the rewards that God would have loved to have given them as their Heavenly Father. And so that kind of thinking, that kind of instruction that we receive from the Lord should give us extra motivation, just as allowances give children extra motivation uh, to do the things that they're supposed to be doing anyway, because they're loving children. That allowance, and I know, it, I know it worked in my life, not only for my grandfather, my dad followed that same tradition. You know, every week. And I, I remember a particular time in, uh, in my life that my dad knew that I really wanted this, this bicycle, this, this five-speed Schwinn collegiate bicycle. And my brother also had his eye on one because our town had a Schwinn shop in it. And that's not an easy thing to say. But we, he had a green one in mind, metallic green. I had a brown one, which was awesome. And they were $65. And that was, that was a lot of money in the, in the uh, mid-60s. And um, dad, said, dad, dad got these jars and poked 
put a slit in it with a knife and taped the lid on it. And he said, every bit of your allowance that you put in this jar, I'll put the same amount in there. So he was, he was not only giving us our allowance. If we put it in that jar with the tape on the lid, that means we weren't getting it out anytime soon. He was going to put the same amount in. And by the end of that summer from our lawn mowing jobs and the allowance that we got from him, my brother and I had our $65 plus tax, plus even enough for a few accessories, like generators that, lit, that, that would lit up so we could drive at night. This was a whole different era of code, different time period. All right, and I'll never forget going into that Schwinn shop. It's not easy to say. With our money that us and our dad had put together, and lay it on that counter and ride home from that shop to our house on those new bikes. I'll never forget it. But you know who else will never forget it? Our dad. That may, that may have been, I mean, he's been proud of us a lot over the years. That was a great moment in his life where he got to see the fruit of his labor in us become something that he knew we were going to remember and knew it was going to shape our lives. You see, he was glorified in the generosity, in the, in the giving of rewards to us. He was glorified more than we were in receiving the reward. And that's exactly what this reward system that God has, that he, that he reveals in his word, is all about. This is not about us receiving rewards. This is about him being glorified. And so as we look at Hebrews chapter 13, uh, a section here that speaks of sacrifices that, are, that Christians, believers in Jesus, offer to him that bring him pleasure. These are the kinds of things that he rewards. He says in, in Philippians chapter 4 that we saw already when we were talking about giving. He said, with such sacrifices, the giving of our offerings, he says, the Lord is well pleased. And here he says the same thing. In chapter uh, 13, verse 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit that confess, the fruit of lips that confess his name. We talked about that last week. This week. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Back to verse 16. And do not forget to do good. He says that is a sacrifice that pleases God. That's kind of a general statement, isn't it? Do good. What is that? What, what, what does it mean to do good? Well, I think the first thing to do when we think about that is think about the best that there is at doing good. Who's the best 
do-gooder. God. Ever since creation. Do you remember what he said at the end of every day of creation? He saw that it was good. What God does is good. Think about how God has expressed his goodness, his doing good in your life. Think of the blessings that he's poured out into your life and how he's done that. And of course, it all starts with him being a giver. God so loved the world. You know this verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave. When we think of giving, don't only think about financial giving. He gave of himself when he gave his son. And so as you think about the opportunities that you have to do good, think about the example that God has set for you through Jesus as you think about the cross. And you think about his willingness to give of himself and to live that kind of life. As, as Paul said in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. God is the doer of good. We also should do that good. And he says it like this. Don't forget to do good. You know why he says that? Because we tend to forget. We tend to get so wrapped up in our, in our own lives that we forget to do good. And a lot of times doing good has to do with people outside of our own lives and outside of our own family. I saw an example of it this past week, or last couple of weeks. When the, when the uh, tropical storm came through, wow, what a storm. Not something we experience that often around here. When that came through, it did a lot of damage. And immediately, I was getting phone calls. Pastor, what can we do to help people that got affected by that storm? What can we do? They wanted to do good. Their first inclination, they didn't forget to do good. Their first inclination was to be like God. That sounds funny, doesn't it? To be like God. He's the one that said that. Be imitators of God, therefore. And to do good is to be like God. And they immediately had the inclination, the thought, we want to, do, we want to help somebody who had trouble. And, that, and then they did it in, in a variety of ways. But what a blessing for people whose, who, whose homes had trees laying on them or, or their yard just filled with trees. What a blessing when our chainsaw brigade came into, came into the yard and, and did all that sawing and fixing and, and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the different meals that come in to, at different times of our lives when, when things are going tough. And, and many of us have experienced that from the body here at Midway. When, you know, I remember so clearly, uh, you know, a little over a year and a half ago or so when, when our grandson died. And that was so upsetting. It's so hard, it was so, it's so hard to just, you know, put the next foot in front of the other and do the right thing. When that group of guys came over to my house and did all, did all my yard work that was going to take me a full day to do, and I, and I didn't have the energy or the, or the will to do it, in an hour and a half, it was done. With their joy 
infused in me, picking me up, lifting me up, ministering to me. They were doing good. And not only did that help me out that day and encourage me and Sherry and our family, but they haven't seen the last of that day yet. Because those acts of doing good are going to result in the moment of that person standing before the Lord at the judgment seat of them saying, you remember that day? And I say, yeah, we were helping Dina. You're doing more than that. You are glorifying your father, your heavenly father, by doing the kinds of things that I do. Look back with me as, you, as you're in Hebrews 13. Look back at Hebrews chapter 6. It uses some very, very similar language to describe this. In verse 10. This is amazing. We need 2020 vision on this. We need to, we need to see this as it really is, as God, as God sees it. Verse 10. God is not unjust. We know that, right? One of the characteristics, one of the, you know, one of the attributes of God is he is just. Usually we think of that in terms of his judgments. His judgments are right. When he judges nations or judges individuals for their sinfulness, he is right in doing that. Because he is completely holy. And righteous. And people that he made that rebel against him, justice requires that they receive judgment, that they receive punishment. That's what the cross is all about. This is a statement of his justice. He placed all the sin of the world on Jesus because sin must pay its price, it must be judged. And so our judgment was placed on Jesus. God is just. But look at this other side of, of God's justice. Look what he says. God is, is not unjust. He will not forget your work. Do you hear that? He will not forget your work. He tells us in chapter 13, don't forget to do good. But he's also established already, he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He's not unjust. God's justice requires that he reward those who do good. Those who imitate their heavenly father. His justice, as it requires judgment, it also requires reward. He's not unjust. And as a result of that, if we spend our lives doing the right things, and we remember back from the, the scripture reading this morning in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1, he told, those, he told his people, I'm not even listening to your prayers. I'm not even paying attention to your sacrifices. He says, because you're not doing right. He says, do right, seek justice. Then I'll pour out all my blessings on you. Well, he continues to say that to us. If we will spend our lives doing good, 
he will reward us. Now that's, it's such, doing good is such a wide spread of things. The scripture is filled with examples of God doing good, of people, his people doing good. But even, even the, the examples from scripture don't exhaust all the good things there are to do. And no one person can do all of the good things that need to be done. This, this motivation that he gives us, where he lets us know that he's well pleased when we don't forget to do good, doesn't tell us to be frantic in, in trying to figure out every good thing that we can do and, and never rest and never enjoy life. He's not, he's not saying that. His word also tells us that he wants us to rest and he wants us to enjoy the good things that he brings to us, but he doesn't want us in the process of that, he doesn't want us to forget to do good. He wants, that, he wants us to have that balance, but he wants us to be ready when the opportunity presents itself. Sometimes the opportunity presents itself, and for example, I'm sure that that ministry that, that blessed us this week um, down in, in Brunswick, I'm sure it started by somebody seeing these sailors getting in trouble in Brunswick saying, you know, we ought to do something for those guys. And they, and they reached out probably one day to, to do something to, for one or two of them, and it, and it was really beneficial to them, and, and maybe one of them received Christ, and they thought, you know what, we ought to do this more, and we ought to get more people involved. Next thing you know, they've got the International Seafarers Center set up in Brunswick. Probably started just by somebody doing good. Turned into something bigger that lots of people can do good now through it. So you never know. You start doing something that you know God wants you to do, that his word says is a good thing. Sometimes it turns into something even gooder. That ought to be a word. It turns out even bigger. It turns out even more amazing how God works and how he multiplies his glory when his people listen to his word. And so these two verses both say the same thing. Don't forget... And remember, God won't forget. You don't forget to do good, and God won't forget that you did well, that you took your time, that you took your energy, that you took your resources, and you were willing to make that sacrifice. Because remember, doing good is a sacrifice. Doing good for someone else is a sacrifice. That's time, that's energy, that's money that you didn't spend on yourself or on your family, that you put into somebody else that you invested in somebody else remember as you don't forget to do that god won't forget that you did that but let's remember also in the process as we do good to praise him and to thank him that we're not saved because of the things that we do good that we're saved because of the good thing that he did for us let's bow together in prayer Our Heavenly Father, we could never do enough good. All the good things that we can come up with would never erase our sin and our rebellion against you. We believe what your word says about us, that all have sinned and 
fall short of the glory of God. We believe that about us. And we believe what your word says, that the wages of sin is death. And we are so thankful that you paid our wages to your son. That he took them upon himself. The wages of our sin. That we would be forgiven and that we would have life. And so we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness toward us. And we thank you that you won't forget the good things that we do as imitators of our Heavenly Father. Father, there may be some here this morning who didn't have 2020 vision on this. They didn't understand that they weren't going to receive eternal life because of their good things, because of the good things they've done. Help them to know now from your word that the only way to receive eternal life, the only way to be forgiven of their sins is by believing in Jesus. That's the only good work that we can do. And we thank you that even that good work is provided to us by you. So we ask that you would help anybody here today or anybody listening today or watching that they would recognize that Jesus is the only one who can forgive them of their sins and give them the gift of eternal life. And may you fill us with your spirit, Father, as we go from this place today and every Sunday seeking ways that we can do good for your glory. And we will bring you even more glory on that day when you reward us for these things because we will acknowledge that it was only because of what you've done for us that we've been able to do anything of any value for eternity. And we thank you for help for allowing us to participate, to be a part of your family through faith in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.